Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. This morning I'm going to be rounding up the elaboration on what you see on the wall behind me. We've unveiled it as our heart, our identity, who we are as Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship, that we are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. And we've broken these things down over the past four weeks. This is week number five now that we're on this, and we're going to round up this, this, this section But really, it's been about understanding who we are in the kingdom, who it is that God has called us to be as a spiritual family, setting direction and vision before us, not necessarily on a task, but vision and direction towards a person, Jesus Christ, to become more like Christ, that He is is who we are collectively and individually aimed at and moving towards, that we want to know and understand His love on a personal level, but also together as a family journeying towards Christ to know and experience His love amongst one another. One of the characteristics, or the characteristics that Jesus gave that people would know that we are His disciples was what? That we would have love one for another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Our love for one another, the way we experience Jesus and grow in Him together also is a demonstration of His kingdom which is a kingdom of love. Now, I want to just recap on some of the things I've shared over the last couple of weeks concerning kingdom, the expectation, the understanding, so that I can just round this, round this all out this week. I spoke, uh, we've touched on the fact that Jesus preached the message or the gospel of the kingdom. He spent a lot of time teaching the gospel of the kingdom. Number one, because it's true. It's the, it's the reason he came. It's the message that he was and that he brought. But also because Jesus had to teach it so often because the Jews, those to whom he was sent, had a misguided expectation of what the king would look like. They were looking for an earthly king who would come in the likeness of David and do what David did, liberate Israel from the oppression of Rome, liberate Israel from all its enemies, give them a time of peace, a time of shalom, And we looked at the phrase, where every man sat under his own fig tree and under his own vine. We looked at the fact that the greatest resistance that Jesus faced was from his own people, from the Jews, to the message that he carried, simply because of their expectation. Jesus didn't come in the spirit of David to establish a kingdom the way David did. Jesus came by the spirit of God to establish God's kingdom on earth, God's way. And that kingdom works and looks completely different from the kind of kingdom that David came to establish. There's a completely different rationale, completely different way of thinking, completely different point of departure. Amen? When we spoke about kingdom last week, we spoke about how the kingdom of God works. In other words, where did Jesus begin to expound on and explain this kingdom? That if everything was so different to the people's expectations... If we were going to get an understanding of this so that we could internalize it and begin to express it, what was it going to look like? And we looked at the example of a man called Nicodemus who was a Pharisee. He was quite high up within the order of the Pharisees. And he came to Jesus and said, you know, 
teach me how do, what is this kingdom of God all about? And Jesus said to him, to enter the kingdom, if you want to see the kingdom, you must be born again. Not just born of the flesh, but also born of the Spirit. John 3 verse 6, the Passion Translation says it this way, The natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm gives birth to things or give birth to supernatural life. And so the first thing Jesus tried to explain was that this kingdom that he was bringing was not an earthly kingdom. It was not of flesh and not of blood. It was a spiritual kingdom that brought with it supernatural spiritual power. And that in order to partake of that and be a part of that, one had to be born again. The kingdom of God is a kingdom that gains its existence, its meaning, its significance, its life from God himself personally. And that word personally is an important word. It's not something I can just become a part of through association. If I'm born into a Christian family, that does not make me a Christian. What makes me a Christian is that I am born again. Now, of course, when you're a child, you're part of the ethos. You'll be raised within that thing. But each of us come to a point or an age of accountability where we choose for ourselves where we will be and what we will belong to. And so it's not by association. The fact that I come to church doesn't make me a Christian, or that all my friends are Christians doesn't make me a Christian, or doesn't mean that the kingdom of God is living and is alive within me. I need to receive that new life through Jesus Christ. How does that work? Well, we looked at the parable of the sower. The sower sows the word into the heart, and we looked at the various stages of the heart, and that's not what I want to focus on this morning. What I want to focus on is the seed. That the kingdom of God, when Jesus begins to explain it, he says, if you don't understand this principle, how will you understand any parable about the kingdom? The kingdom of God works not from the outside in like an earthly, fleshly kingdom, but it begins with something seemingly insignificant in the heart. Small seeds, words of life that produce revelation knowledge, cause faith to rise up in our hearts to partake of that which is not of this realm and lift and elevate us into another level of existence, life in the Spirit. How does that begin? Through a monumental spiritual earthquake? No, it begins just through a seed, just through a word, through a revelation. And from there it begins to grow. We also looked at the parable of the wheat and the tares. How in another instance, understanding the seed principle is important for how God longs to, to share His love with the world. Once His kingdom is established in our heart and we are born again and new creations in Christ and we have pursued Him and we become more like Him and come to a place of maturity or wholeness where we begin to resemble the life of Christ, that which was sown in our hearts has grown and is manifesting fruit, we become the seed that God can place in the world, whether it be a workplace, whether it be at a school, whether it be wherever in a group of friends, in a social environment, that we can go and be a seed sown, something seemingly insignificant, but with tremendous power and potential locked up inside. Remember, we spoke about the potential of an acorn. I said to you, what's the potential of an acorn? And I got the answer, an oak tree. To which I said, yeah, but that's not really the potential of the acorn. The potential of the acorn is a forest of oak trees innumerable oak trees, all producing innumerable acorns, which in turn can produce innumerable oak trees. And so this principle of a seed, though it begins small, its potential 
or it has the potential to change the world. And folks, if you look back over 2,000 years, it has. One man, sown into the world, died on a cross, rose again, that you and I may have life. And through 12 disciples that began it all, sown into the world, who in turn sowed seeds that landed in fertile soil and grew and brought forth a harvest, we have seen the growth and the development of the church. The outstanding characteristic, folks, of the kingdom of God is that He chooses to place His potential and His magnificent life-giving power into seemingly insignificant things. You and me, who are we? But yet the very kingdom, the very life of God lives within us. What potential has that got? You see, it's something, folks, that we're not very cognizant of. If we were, we'd certainly be living our lives a little differently. Don't you agree with me? The more we ponder on this, the more we realize the fullness of what we do have in Jesus Christ, the more something has to begin rising up within us and to realize and say, but I'm satisfied with so little. I make, there's so little fruit, there's so little evidence of the fullness of this potential. And we looked at parables that Jesus gave, and this is where I want to kick off from this morning. Luke 18, 13 to 21. We've read it over the past two weeks. I'm going to read it to you again. Then he said, What is the kingdom of God like? To what shall I compare it? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in his garden. Now that's what I want you to focus on this morning. It's like a mustard seed. Normally we focus on the seed. Today I want to, I want to, I want you to, I want to draw your attention to the proactive response to the seed. A man took the seed and put it in his garden, and it grew and became a large tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again, to what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of oil. Again, I'm not focusing on the leaven. I'm focused on, on the corresponding action with something that is seemingly insignificant. She took it and she put it in the three measures of oil. In both cases, an action is what unlocked the potential of the kingdom. Did you get that? In both cases, a response, an action by a person is what unlocked the potential of what is in that seed or what is in that leaven. It required a response. Folks, I want to say to you that all of this, it means very little, and it's probably nothing more than just a novel idea unless it be applied. Unless there, this sits in our hearts in such a way that it actually begins to change the way we think and change the way I approach my everyday, change the way I approach my wife, my children, my colleagues at work, all it is is a beautiful slogan up on the wall. There's something we have been given. And we spend a lot of time focusing on the seed and looking at how beautiful the seed is and how, how much potential is in the seed. But until that seed is sown, it potential, its potential remains locked up. Jesus said it another way. He said, unless a, wheat of a grain of corn fall into the earth and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it produces a harvest. It produces fruit. 
Folks, we need a revelation of the power and the potential of that which is within us, and we need to respond to that revelation. It is not good enough to know that we have all this potential in us. It's like saying, I've got a bag of seeds. What if Jack never threw those seeds into the compost heap? There'd be no beanstalk. The story would be very boring. Many of us are like a Jack with seeds in our possession that we gave up the family cow for. I know that's not in the Bible, folks, but you understand the analogy. Looking at a lot of funny faces. Let me quote to you something that I saw on Facebook this week. When God's love within us is not acted upon, energized, and released through us, we will always find fault with everything and everyone around us. Pastor Andreas put that on Facebook this week. I was so touched by that. You know why? You know what happens? When I am not acting on the seed that is within me, I end up becoming critical of everybody else. And you know what I'm critical of? I'm critical of the fact that they're not acting on the seed which is within them. I become a hypocrite the moment I look out to point my finger. But I myself am not acting upon it. It makes me apathetic. It makes me critical of others. Let me give you some synonyms for the words apathetic. Indifferent. Uninterested. Listless. Blasé. Unconcerned. Unresponsive. How many of us... Well, let's be honest with our folks. This is not a beat on the congregation Sunday. Okay? But let's be honest and ask ourselves some questions. Am I enthusiastic and excited about the Word of God? Am I enthusiastic about doing what Jesus tells me to do, the very simple things, just to love my neighbor, the orphan, the widow, the prisoner? Is any of that expressed in my life in a consistent, meaningful way? Am I consistently angry or uptight or annoyed, or am I walking in forgiveness? Am I experiencing love, and am I lighting up the places that I go? In other words, when I go to the store... Are the people I encountered there blessed because I went or not? Was I just another number? Or was I that light, that glimmer of hope, that, little, that one who just said some encouraging word and made them smile, something small, something seemingly insignificant, which may just change their day, which may just change their life? Do you understand the little, what, I'm, what I'm talking about, I'm not necessarily talking about sell your home, quit your job, and let's send you to the furthest, let's send you to Antarctica to go and preach to the penguins. Man, they need Jesus too. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where you are. How is the love that God has placed within you beginning to find life? And listen, that'll look different. For, some of us are gifted in some ways and not in others. Uh, you will have your own expression of that, but is there a cognizant expression? Though Jesus had every right to be critical towards us, or critical of us, though Jesus had every right to be apathetic towards us, His very creation which turned its back on Him, love demanded a different response. We know the Scripture, John three sixteen and 17. God so loved the world that He gave. There was a response. His love for the world caused Him to sow a seed that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. Isn't that incredible? And Jesus, as the seed, what was His heart? What was His response to the love of the Father? Philippians 2, 5-8. to Let this mind be in you which was in Christ, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation. In other words, He emptied Himself of all glory and of all power, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, He humbled Himself again and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. And in, he, and, in, and in Jesus, we have the perfect example of what true and genuine love looks like. We have the perfect example of what it looks like when somebody is sown as a seed and they produce fruit. You see, folks, the only way to demonstrate love, the only way to sow seeds of the kingdom is to give of yourself. We need to understand that if I have been born again, then I am now, within me dwells the very essence of God. And when I am giving of myself, I am giving of that which I now am. There's power in that. Amen? I'm not giving that which I do not have. But Jesus said, freely you have received. What? All things through me. All, every gift in heavenly places belongs to you. All power and dominion are mine. Go therefore. In other words, we're authorized. And Jesus doesn't ask us to give that which He has not already sown and put within our hearts, but it does mean that there is a requirement of giving of ourselves. The only way to share the kingdom of God is to express love, to give that which has been sown in our hearts. And that's going to cost us things, folks. That's going to cost us time. It will cost us energy. It will cost us money. At times, it will cost us our pride. At times, it will cost us our reputation. At times, it will cost us favor with men. But that's just what makes the kingdom of God so different from the kingdoms of this world. That's what makes it an inside-out kingdom, not an outside-in kingdom. An upside-down kingdom, where it doesn't lead from the top like a world system, but from within and underneath. You see, this world system says, what's in it for me? The kingdom of God says, go the second mile for them. The world says, love your friends. Jesus says, love your enemies. The world says, pursue, make the point of your life earthly treasures. Jesus says, pursue treasures in heaven. The world be, says, be critical of others, thus making yourself look better. God says, encourage others in order that they may do even better. The world says, do good for good, do bad for bad. God says, do good for good and good for bad. Because your essence, who you are, is now good. How can you give bad? A good tree cannot of itself give bad fruit. No, you're a good tree now. So we give good, whether we treat it well or not. The world system says, what about me? God's system says, what about Jesus? Jesus, what do you want? How do I show your love? How can I demonstrate to this person just how much you love them? Martin Luther King wrote, Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy to a friend. 
You see, God's love in Jesus is transformative, folks. It's changed your life. It's changed who you are. But not only that, it has the potential to change others through you. When we as God's people live out our love through sacrificial actions and vulnerability towards the lovable and the unlovable, then we will see the transformative power of God's kingdom come in and through us. Until the man took the seed and sowed it in the ground, no mustard tree, no fruit. Until the woman took the measure of leaven and put it in, put it in the flour, no rising, no reaction, no response. And until you and I begin to take that which we have within us and sow it into the lives of other people, personal sowing, heart to heart, life to life, we're not going to see any fruit for the kingdom. Folks, when you and I get born again, remember I spoke to you about that personal thing, and that's, that's a big deal. God came and personally connected with you. God didn't just send money and said, go and buy salvation. God didn't send you to somebody else, but He came, and one-to-one, -one, He communicated something with your heart that changed who you are. And what is it that God is wanting from you and I? Folks, it's not a check. It's our heart, one-to-one -one with Him, and our willingness and vulnerability to be able to go out and share that which we've received, one-to-one -one with Him, one-to-one -one with somebody else in acts of love, in acts of service. In our modern Western world, we're very good at putting up walls. We're very good of, at, at securing ourselves and making ourselves comfortable. Whereas the kingdom of God is saying, I really want you to get up out of your chair. I want you to just go out and meet somebody and share the love of God with them. The message of God's love and kingdom mean and achieve nothing if not applied. Let me give you some examples here. This is my cell phone. And I just need to check something quickly, make sure that I'm connected properly. In this cell phone is tremendous potential. I mean, what can I not do with this phone these days? I can take photos, I send messages, I send emails. Anything I want to know, I have access to the great wide world out there. I even have a lot of songs loaded on my cell phone. One of them is even loaded there now and primed and ready. If only there was just somebody to push play. It's like there's so much going on within our hearts that God has put His Word in us and we've been sitting in these pews for month after month and year after year and we are rich and we are full. There's so much loaded there, so much potential. If only there was somebody to just come push play. So, so God is saying to us, I've given you a beautiful song in your heart and the world and the people around you will be so blessed. All I want you to do is please just get up out of your chair and push play. I don't need you to sing the song. I don't need you to do anything. I don't need you to play an instrument. All I really want you to do, please, is just get up out of your chair and push play. And yet, again and again, just like in this morning, we sit and we go, wow, God, that's awesome. Thank you for cell phones. Thank you for songs that you have created just to bless us and to tell us about the greatness of your love. Oh, God, please just send somebody to push play. God, would somebody please just get up out of their chair and push play? 
Lord, I'm begging you. I'm just interceding for your church. Would somebody please just get up out of their chair and push play? Because God, unless I do something about what I've gotten, nothing's going to happen. Thank you, Meg. That somebody pushed play. And that beautiful song comes on and tells us all about how much God loves us. Megan, did it take a lot? No. But I had to face the embarrassment of being the one who was going to get out there and just push play. Let me give you another analogy. Here we have seeds. And we have soil. What do these beautiful seeds represent? Well, in the light of what I've been talking about, they represent the kingdom. And it's amazing that God has given us seeds, and the potential of these seeds is lemon trees, by the way. It's the easiest place I could find seeds this morning. I thought, what am I going to use as a seed? I've got a lemon in the fridge. And the first one we cut out was one of those fancy ones that was seedless, which was pretty useless for my demonstration this morning. And I have these amazing seeds. And you know what needs to happen with those seeds? They've just got to be sown in the ground. That's all God tells us to do with them, right? All he asks us to do is sow seeds in the ground. Yes, we are doing this again. <laughs> yes, we are. If only somebody would just be bold enough to come. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. That is awesome. Just stick them in the ground there. Now they've been placed in an environment where their potential can be released. Beautifully done. You have green fingers there, Mark. I see you. Yeah? Some hidden, hidden gifts in you that I didn't realize there. And you know, the Bible says that we sow seeds, and it's amazing. One sows, another one waters. But we need somebody to be bold enough to follow up that which somebody else has done in sowing seeds, just to come afterwards and encourage those seeds to grow, to minister life to those seeds. Because otherwise, you know what happens? The cares of this world just creep in, and we get so bogged down, but along the way, even though, Ron, you didn't plant those seeds, I'm so grateful you came to water those seeds. Come all the way from the back there. And you know what the funny thing is? Thank you so much, Ron. I can hear them singing for joy. Thank you. You know what the funny thing is? I bet you some of you are thinking, Michael, you're standing right there. Can you not just water the seeds? And yes, I can. But you know what the problem with that way of thinking is? It makes us apathetic. And we say, God, you can do anything. Would you just please go and do it? God, you can do it if you really, if you really loved them. And all God's saying, would you please go put some water on that seed this morning? Would you please demonstrate in some way the love that I've put within you? Would you go to somebody and just push play on them? What do I mean push play? I mean just speak into their life the truth of what you see is going on in them because you've been praying for them. You go, you know, I just see blessing on your life and God has got this call on you and He just loves you so much. And you push play to a heavenly song that you cannot hear but begins to, begins to resound in their heart. Can you take the word, even that you've heard this morning or that you've been hearing in your foundations class and begin to sow it into somebody else? I even have a poem prepared here, and I thought if somebody would just come read the poem, but I think, I think we've done well with that analogy, and uh, to stretch it any further would be taking it too far. Rather than looking around saying, God, who are you going to send? 
Or can't that one do it? Or pastor, can't you do it? It's your job. Why shouldn't our attitude be, well, I can do that. I'm sitting right here. I'm in the environment. I'm in the room. I can do something. I can sow. I can give of myself. I want you to look in your Bibles to John chapter 13, verses 3 to 5. This is the night on which Jesus was betrayed, and he's sitting around with his disciples. And let me just paint the picture for you. You understand Jesus says to two of his disciples, Go, prepare a room for us that we can come and have supper. And later on that evening, they'd organized everything, but they had forgotten to organize the servant to be there to wash the disciples' feet. It was a customary thing that was done. Jews probably didn't wash their own feet or they were those, of, of, you know, those of, of one another. There were servants who were there to do that. That was a servant's job. It was a low job. It was a degrading job. And they were far too self-absorbed to do a job like that. And so these disciples who'd been following Jesus for three years or so come to this, this supper and there's nobody to wash the feet. So guess what? The feet don't get washed. In the room, nobody was prepared to say, let me serve you. Nobody was prepared to say, man, my feet are dirty. Your feet are dirty. Let's just sort this out. Nobody. It was, it was below them. It was beneath them. And they were filled with apathy, wondering again why somebody else wasn't there to do it. And in verse 3, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He had come from God and was going to God. It doesn't say knowing that there was no servant. But Jesus had such a full and complete revelation of who He was and everything that God had given them. He knew what it was to strip off all glory and leave heaven's realm and the power and the praise that was His in that realm to come and make Himself a lowly bondservant in the likeness of a bondservant. And He knew that doing that didn't reflect negatively on him at all because he was so secure in who he was in Jesus, in, in God, <laughs> who he was in Jesus. Well, yes, he was. But it says because of everything that he knew in his heart, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, rose from the supper, laid aside his garments, took up a towel, girded himself, and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Utterly secure in who he was, Jesus didn't value his own reputation above love. And because of this knowledge, Jesus did something. Folks, I want to say to you this morning, the reality is the seed that your brother needs is within you. The song that your sister needs is within you. Sometimes you just have to take off your jacket, strip off that which makes you seem or look important, from which you gain a sense of pride or identity. I mean, I look good in that jacket. I wasn't asking. <laughs> and sometimes you just have to put that kind of stuff aside and you've got to roll up your sleeves. Be willing to do what is necessary. You'll be glad to know I'm not taking off all my garments. And sometimes you just got to come to a place where you are willing to do something that sometimes may seem a bit beneath you or not glamorous. I arrived here with soap this morning. Megan says, sure, you're getting serious about washing our sins. 
I said to her, Megan, Lux isn't going to wash your sins away. To which Mishka replied, yeah, but it's going to make them smell pretty good. <laughs> and sometimes you just got to find somebody with bare feet or flip-flops. Mark, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> you see, in our day and age, we're quite sensitive about people touching our feet. And I realized that the real sacrifice in this moment is actually Mark's, <laughs> not mine. But just for the sake of the demonstration, Mark, just dab a toe in the water if you wouldn't mind. There we go. I'll just wipe the toe then. They look pretty clean. I'm not yeah, it's warm. You're welcome. There you go. I'll touch them just to make sure that they're clean, and I'll dry it for you. You see, folks, this is, a, this is a demonstration that we don't really do this much anymore. Just make sure I get in between all the toes. We don't do this kind of thing these days specifically. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> but the point I'm making is this, folks. The whole purpose of that, that we're a family on a journey to become more like Christ, to share His kingdom and express His love, it has legs to it. It's got feet to it. And if we, don't, if we can't embrace this in our own personal lives and embrace this together as a family, like I said, what does that mean? What does having an identity mean if there's no expression to that identity? And these are, these are fun examples, but I hope that somehow they've left a mark in your mind that, that who we are and that everything Jesus has done for us demands some kind of response. It demands some kind of response. And that we can't be satisfied with sitting in church week after week and coming and having a good cup of coffee. Praise God for that good cup of coffee. But if our satisfaction in the kingdom is just for what we can get through Jesus, we've completely missed the point. There's something God is looking for from you. There's something God is looking for from me. And it begins with a willingness to go and push play. To just get up out of my comfort zone, to get up out of my couch, to get up out of my home, to get up out of my pew, to get up out of my office chair and go over to somebody else and be willing to take the risk. Take off your jacket. Take off that which makes you smart. Take off your title. Take off whatever you have to take off and just take the risk of just sowing a seed of love to see how the kingdom of God can begin to grow. Folks, if we start doing that, I guarantee you it's not going to be long before we're going to have to pack out more chairs in this place because people respond to love. People respond to tangible love. Where we can just go and be Jesus to somebody else and see the kingdom grow. There's tremendous power in the kingdom. There's tremendous potential in the kingdom, but unless we're sowing it, we will never see it grow. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.